0: Thank you for turning on the Why This Times Talk podcast. In this edition, we're previewing the upcoming Times Talk entitled, Ukraine Up Close and Personal, How to Digest the Horror. I'm joined today by Mercer University political science professor, Chris Grant. Chris Grant, thank you for joining me today on the Why This Times Talk podcast. My pleasure. We'll begin as we always do. Uh, Could you please briefly introduce your Times Talk topic?
1: Well, I was a Fulbright scholar in Ukraine in 2022. I still am a Fulbright scholar, except I've been moved out of Ukraine to Poland at the moment. I was in Kyiv in January when we were evacuated out by orders of the State Department. And then the unthinkable happened. A war actually began in Europe and something that I think few of us really anticipated going into it. And it has been horrific. The video that comes out of Ukraine day after day is stunning and appalling, and I wanted to help people get a little bit more perspective, maybe some perspective that I gain from having contacts on the ground in Ukraine right now.
0: And I think the answer to this next question may be obvious, uh, but I'll ask it anyways, uh, in case it gives you an opportunity to uh, go a little bit deeper into um, the thinking around it. Uh, why do you feel it's so important to bring this conversation to the Times Talk now? Well,
1: one of the obligations I have as a Fulbright scholar is to disseminate my experience back to folks at home. So I've been eager to offer my experiences to as many audiences as I can. And I have a personal connection to Milledgeville. I taught at George college for five years in late nineties and right around the turn of the century. And I wanted to make my expertise and understanding available to people so that they could perhaps understand some things they may not have understood before. I would tell you that the vulnerability of these countries that were former Soviet states or former Soviet republics, now independent states, has been a real issue, especially with Vladimir Putin. Putin has a direct agenda of subduing them and subjecting them back to Russian authority. Some people suggest that he wants to recreate the Soviet Union. I think the better description is something more like the Russian empire that existed before the Soviet Union. And this is a part of what he sees as carrying out the mission of being the leader of Russia, which is to create a protective zone around Russia that the Russian state can control to some degree in order to stop the influence of what it perceives as enemies eroding onto it. I also want people to think some about, does Ukraine have the freedom to decide their own destiny? I mean, do ukrainian citizens enjoy that freedom to define their own destiny or are they only pawns in between the west and russia who gets to define identity and what gives you the right to define identity which is a lot of what my research is focused on
0: and as you go into the times talk on wednesday uh, what do you hope that your audience takes away from that conversation
1: Well, I hope they'll be better informed about Ukraine. It's not as simple a situation as a lot of people seem to think it is. There's a lot of complexity here and what was the right thing to do in responding to Ukraine and how do we go about it. I think sometimes the American media is very happy with capitalizing the story as something. Look at the virtuous Ukrainians fighting the Russians and they're winning. And this, this allows the Americans to say, oh good, we don't have to get involved because the Ukrainians are gonna take care of themselves. And we don't have to feel guilty about an authoritarian government overtaking a free people. But that's not the whole story. The whole story is the Ukrainians are being successful and holding out from Russians, but Russians have more weapons coming. And on the first night of the war, uh, I came across the story of a woman named Irina Sivilia. And Irina was a Ukrainian military veteran. She had fought in the Donbass in 2014. And something that Americans may want to know is that 15% of Ukrainian fighting forces are women. Irina went and fought for her country in the Donbass because she thought it was her obligation. She raised her children and she went into the war and fought. The men told her sometimes that she should go home. And she should, um, tend to her family. And she said, no, my, my obligation is to fight for my country, just like yours. And she did go home after a while After she served a couple of tours of duty in Donbass, she went back to her family. As I understand, she had five children and her husband was also a veteran of that war. And on the first night she and her husband went out on patrol and they had rifles. Like my landlord does, like some of my friends do the patrol. They were patrolling in the northeastern corridors of the Kyiv suburbs, which is very close to where I lived in Ukraine. Uh, one of the districts of Kyiv that has been so badly bombed is where I lived with my daughter two months ago. And Irina Sevilia was with her husband and they had their rifles and they came upon a Russian tank. And I don't think I have to tell you what happens with rifles combating a tank. Her children are now orphans. And I think that we have to accept that that is also the reality of this conflict. It is not just the spunky Ukrainians fighting back against the Russians and this kind of underdog win, but it's about Irina Sevilia's children being orphans now. It's about people in Mariupol who have had their lives, their well-being, their futures destroyed for no good reason. We have to also accept that that's a part of this conflict in thinking through what the appropriate response is.
0: Mercer University political science professor Chris Grant, I want to thank you for joining me on the Why This Times Talk podcast. Thanks. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon on Wednesdays via Zoom. This week's Times Talk is entitled, Ukraine, Up Close and Personal, How to Digest the Horror.
1: All right.